Welcome to the sermon podcast of Northridge Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Betsy Sweetenberg, the pastor here, and I hope that in this podcast, you see what we seek to do week after week, approaching the stories of our faith with a holy curiosity, not shutting the book because the stories are hard or there are truths we'd rather ignore. Instead, approaching scripture, trusting that God will meet us there, full of grace and truth, teaching us something new about how we are to live in this world God so loves. As we turn to scripture, let's pray. Oh God, we give you thanks that your word is a living word. And through it, you offer us living waters. So in hearing your word today, we ask that you quench our thirst. Guide us to the living waters not only for ourselves, but so that we may offer it to others as we leave this place. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter. So hear now what the Spirit is saying to her church this day. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right. In saying you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was a day like any other day. She was doing what she always did. She was doing what she needed to do getting water, just trying to check off the basic tasks of survival. And so that afternoon, she made her way to the well. It was scorching, but she'd found that she preferred to go to the well in the heat of the day when no one else was around because it was easier to bear the heat of a scorching sun than to bear the murmurs of people from around town 
whispering about her past as if her life's luggage had just been opened up and emptied out for all to see and try to make sense of. You know, everyone in town, when they saw her coming, they had commentary about her luggage, but none of them were interested enough to ask what journeys she'd had to pack for over the years. They were far more interested in how much her luggage weighed than what was in it. So needless to say, she'd gotten pretty good at being alone. In fact, she preferred it because the rhythm of loneliness was familiar. When she was alone, there were no unexpected snickers or jeers. There were no probing questions. It was just silent. So it was in the silence that she chose to go about surviving day to day, finding the windows of time where she could do what she needed to do by herself, draw water, do laundry, go to the store, cook her meals, go to the doctor when she had to, She tried really hard to arrange her life so she didn't have to do much more than what was required to survive because it wasn't worth risking that the silence might be interrupted. And so she went about her life moving from task to task with the only conversations she ever had happening in her mind. Those are impossible to turn off. Maybe she would have if she had the chance, but inevitably, as she went about her day, she'd begin asking herself, what if it's true? What if I am who they say I am? Maybe I don't have anything worth living for. Other days, the conversation in her head would be more wishful. It would be just imagining what life would have been like had it worked out the way she'd expected had it worked out the way she'd envisioned when she made those vows for the first time, five five husbands ago, with visions of children and steady employment and family dinners in mind. There weren't any voices around her in her day-to-day life, but there were plenty of voices inside. So many conversations that ran through her head as she went about that basic task of survival. And even though she, those internal conversations could get dark, there was something comforting about the fact that she knew the routine. Even if they weren't the best thoughts, she knew the thoughts that would come up to the top of her mind. And so as she walked to the well that day to draw water, she not only held the bucket in her hand, But she also kicked up dust knowing that as she walked that path as she did so frequently, she would have the inevitable inevitable conversation with herself, comparing herself to all the women who she'd gone out of her way to avoid at the well that day. She didn't particularly like it, but it was the routine she knew. And what is the familiar to us all if not a comfort? We know this. It's why relationships get stuck. It's easier to keep acting out the same old script than to go about the trouble of learning new lines, right? 
We know this. No matter how unsavory the situation may be, the familiar brings with it a certain comfort, even if it is a familiar pain. Isn't this why people can endure a job that's no longer a fit or endure a relationship that wilted on the vine a long time ago? Because it's a familiar pain, and there's something comforting about that when you know the pain, when you know the internal conversations, when you know the dance that you need to have in those relationships. This day was just like any other day for her. She was doing what she always did, trying to get by, entertaining the internal conversation, ready to get on to the next task on her list, numb to the world and her place in it. But something changed that day. Because he was also doing what he always did. Jesus showing up at the well and immediately forcing her out of the conversation in her head and into a conversation with him. I can't imagine how startled she must have been. How long had it been since someone spoke to her instead of about her? Maybe that's why she started asking him some snarky questions. Or maybe she was just trying to put him off so that she could end the whole interaction as quickly as possible because she was out of practice when it came to social interactions. And she was peeved that this man had interrupted the silence that had become her soundtrack. But Jesus continued to do what he always does. He persisted. He kept speaking, and he kept requiring her to speak, to stay in the conversation until something happened, until she grasped something of that life-giving, thirst-quenching water this man was talking about. I've always thought that this is a story about grace and compassion for a woman who may not have experienced those things anywhere else in her life had it not been for that interaction at the well, and I think that's true, but I began to see something else in this story this week. I think this is a universal story for each of us. It's a story about the beginning of faith. How often do you go about your life hoping for the familiar? Numbing yourself to the things that hurt. The disappointments you thought you wouldn't have to endure. The things that have grown stale. The things you wish you could do differently. The relationships that are so hard. You numbed yourself to the weight of the luggage that you drag with you everywhere you go. Because even though it's heavy, at least you know how much it weighs. It is your suitcase after all. You packed it. We all do this, choosing to numb the pain of the familiar by taking comfort in knowing what to expect. She was doing what she always did. She was doing what we all do that day, just going about her life, her routine for survival without the expectation that anything might change. Hopping from task to task with survival as the only goal in mind. We're not very different from her. 
And yet it's while she's in the middle of that routine, that numbness, that Jesus does what he always does. He shows up expecting to connect with the person right in front of him, offering an invitation to transformation. That's how Jesus approaches everyone. If you look at his interactions in the Bible, he always shows up with the expectation that he will connect. And when people put up walls, he just keeps extending the invitation over and over again so that the person he's talking to understands that transformation is possible. In that short conversation at the well, he wakes her up to the possibility that something about her life could change. He wakes her up to the possibility that she could be in relationship with others, that her internal conversation could shift from one to shame to one of possibility. That's what he always does. He invites time and time again to connect knowing that connection is a pathway to transformation. Connection is the beginning of faith. So Jesus, throughout the gospel, expects nothing less when he strikes up a conversation with someone. He knows about the transformative power of community. The healing he offers connects people to each other and to God. And we can see it so clearly in this story if we keep reading. The woman, as soon as she finishes talking to Jesus, she runs back to town. She runs to tell her friends about the life-giving power of that connection, of the moment she just shared, because she doesn't want to hoard it for herself. She wants others to receive the same invitation to connection and transformation. This fall, we're talking about the way of Jesus and how to live out a faith that follows the example he set. And there are so many possibilities about uh, what to choose when we talk about these things. But I think this is the best first step for us as people of faith. If we want to follow in the way of Jesus, then the first thing we need to do is adjust our expectations. The first thing we each need to do is think about where we've given up expecting that transformation is possible. Think about where we've gone out of our way to avoid connecting with others. We've got to get honest about the numb places in our life. And then we have to start expecting transformation there. Expecting that we can have meaningful relationships that might change those parts of our lives. How would that change things for you? What connections would you be open to if you began showing up expecting nothing less than transformation? I wonder if you had expectations when you showed up this morning. Or if you came because you always do. I'm so glad if it's part of your rhythm. We know what to expect when we show up here. But did you show up expecting that something might change, that you might connect with others and with God in life-giving ways? Not because of what I say, but because of what happens when we gather together 
the conversations that happen between you, the way that the Spirit dances in our midst in prayers and music, all of that, those are connections to the living water. Those are invitations to faith, waters of faith that do more than quench a simple thirst. That is the start of faith that can transform our very lives. We're not that different than her. She didn't expect to have a conversation with anyone. She didn't expect transformation. She didn't expect to connect with a man, much less. But that persistent invitation is where Jesus always begins. And that's where we must begin to. So if we are to follow in the way of Jesus, the first thing we have to do is shift our expectations and open ourselves to the possibility of transformation that is waiting for us in every connection with others and with God. Friends, when you open yourself to that possibility, you too will know something of the living water. Amen. Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage, hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak. Help the suffering, honor all persons. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day. And always, always. Amen.